the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Senate passes the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. The real key is why would Republican senators go along with this? Julio Rosas from townhall.com joins us with an update on the border crisis. You ask anybody who, who lives down there, or, you know, law enforcement, uh, they, they have zero confidence that they're going to actually uh, secure the border. FTX co-founder Sam Bankman-Fried is released on $250 million bond. You know, people have pled guilty to the same thing that he's charged with. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Friday, December 23rd. I'm Jim Barta. The A's are 68, the nays are 29, under the previous order requiring 60 votes for the Adoption of the motion to concur in the House Amendment to the Senate Amendment number 4 with an amendment is agreed to. On Thursday, the Senate passed the 4,000-page, $1.7 trillion spending bill with a 68-29 to vote. The bill provides $858 billion for defense, $787 billion for non-defense domestic programs, News Nation's Evan Lambert explains some of what can be found in the spending package. The $1.7 trillion funding bill keeps the government open through most of 2023, with funding expiring at the end of September. The highlights of the bipartisan bill, $858 billion in spending for the military, $119 billion for the medical care of veterans, up 22%, and also $45 billion in emergency assistance for Ukraine. On the Senate floor Thursday morning, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer announced a deal. We have an agreement now. We will vote on all of the amendments in order and then vote on final passage. But some Republicans have railed against the bill, even though not passing it or another temporary measure before midnight Friday would lead to a government shutdown. Lambert also breaks down some of the items included in the bill's earmarks. The bill also comes with a whole lot of what's known pejoratively as pork or earmarks, often pet projects for members in their home states or districts. This spending bill has an estimated $15 billion worth from lawmakers in both parties, like one of the most expensive $200 million for the Alabama Port Authority or $150,000 for a sidewalk project for Mapleton, Maine, a town of less than 2,000. Earmarks are back with a vengeance this year after a decade-long ban expired with the passing of the last funding bill in April. Other funding in the bill goes from the odd-sounding $65 million for the restoration of Pacific salmon populations to those creating buzz, literally, like $3 million for keeping bees and other pollinators happy along roadsides and highways. Senators were able to introduce a number of amendments, which ranged from measures seeking to extend Trump-era immigration policies to expanding protections to new mothers in the workplace. One amendment, proposed by Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, 
allows specific groups of victims of terrorism access to a compensation fund for terrorism victims, from which these groups were previously excluded. Another amendment offered by Senator Lindsey Graham authorizes the transfer of forfeited property to help Ukraine, which includes assets that have been seized from Russian oligarchs. However, the bill is not without its critics. Many Republicans on Capitol Hill vowed to oppose the bill due to the risk of exacerbating inflation. Republican Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin says that Republicans shouldn't be proud of this bill. The fix is in. Uh, I think you pretty well laid it out, Larry. This is disgusting. This is business as usual. This is why we're $31.2 trillion in debt with no end in sight. Um, we don't have enough time to, to even begin to discover all the bad things in this bill. Uh, when you're spending $1.7 trillion, I'm sure there's worthy spending in there. And we, you know, one of the things that the Republicans are crowing about is we broke parity of increasing defense spending where you don't have to increase the domestic spending by the same amount. Uh, but I would point out, because of the inflation that all this deficit spending has caused, the $858 billion of defense spending is only worth about $750 billion in pre-Biden administration uh, value. Uh, that's how much inflation has degraded the value of the dollar in less than two years. And for, you know, for Republicans to go around saying this is a big win, the analogy I'm using, it's like your football team, you're, you're losing 60 to zero. And in the last few seconds, you kick a field goal and you call it a big win. No, it's, it's an enormous loss. I'm disgusted by this. In the House, Republican Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio says that giving the same FBI that has been losing the confidence of the American people a budget increase is absurd. The real key is why would Republican senators go along with this? I mean, it's a huge increase in spending. Here's the example that gets me the most. The FBI, the same FBI that worked with big tech to run a misinformation operation on the American people, on we the people, just weeks before the most important election we have, election for president, that FBI got a huge increase in their budget, more than they even asked for, more than the Biden administration asked for. Why would we do that? Jordan explains that with Republicans set to take control of the House in January, he's bewildered by why Republicans in the Senate would pass the spending package. The American people spoke a month ago and they said, we want the House to be run by Republicans. Why not wait 13, 12 days. In 12 days, we take the majority. Why not wait two weeks and let us deal with this legislation? Why not wait for the cavalry to come over the hill to deal with this legislation and get rid of some of the stupid things in there? No, they went ahead and passed this bill. Um, we're all going to vote against it, the Republicans tonight in the House. But unfortunately, I think it's going to become law, which is, which is just wrong. Just wrong. The Ohio congressman thinks the omnibus spending package, in his opinion, simply misuses the tax dollars of hardworking Americans. I always think about the families I get to represent in the 4th District of Ohio, West Central, North Central, good, hardworking people, manufacturing, agriculture, good folks. And to think that their tax dollars are being spent in this manner is just flat out wrong. And everybody, anyone who sees this, if you go look at Dan Bishop, a colleague of mine, a, a great member, the Twitter feed he had, uh, the Twitter thread he had, where he talked about all the stupid things, plankton study, salmon study, bee study, money for borders in foreign countries, but nothing to, to deal with the situation on our southern border. It's completely ridiculous. And uh, again, I think the country knows it, but unfortunately, not enough politicians in D.C. do. The bill now goes back to the House for a vote, which is to take place this morning. 
Title 42, the Trump-era health measure that was used to turn away migrants at the southern border, was to expire on Wednesday. However, with the intervention of the Supreme Court, the fate of Title 42 remains in limbo. The Biden administration has now asked for an extension of Title 42 until next week. However, regardless, many migrants are already en route to and in Mexico, awaiting for the moment Title 42 is officially rescinded. In just the last week alone, nearly 6,000 migrants have been shuttled through El Paso to cities across the country to process their immigration claims. But that still leaves thousands of migrants in El Paso. And with shelters overcrowded, city leaders opened the convention center overnight. It can house more than 1,000 migrants. They want to get as many people as possible off the streets with temperatures dropping below freezing this week. And now conditions are getting worse with a potentially deadly cold snap on the way. Yet the line to enter El Paso does not end. The surge in migrant crossings has led cities like El Paso to declare a state of emergency, triggering the use of the Texas National Guard. Meanwhile, in Arizona, Governor Doug Ducey erected a makeshift wall of shipping containers in the hopes of curtailing some of the migrant surge. However, the governor has been ordered to dismantle the wall due to the containers being built on federal land. For his part, Ducey has long maintained that the shipping containers were a temporary fixture. Julio Rosas, a senior writer at Town Hall, joins the Daybreak Insider podcast from the southern border to explain the latest on the fate of Title 42. Right now, it's in the hands of the Supreme Court. Uh, You know, the Biden administration tried to get rid of it last May. Uh, they, uh, a lawsuit led by Republicans, uh, prevented it from being lifted at the last minute. And so basically it happened again, uh, this month. Uh, but now it's headed, now it's at the Supreme Court and they're trying to decide. So, um, you know, hopefully whatever the Supreme Court decides, I mean, hopefully this is kind of like one of the last times that this, this issue is, is, is being brought because Title 42 is interesting because it's a, it's a public health order strictly supposed to be used for public health grounds. But because COVID-19, which is what it was invoked for, is no longer the issue that it once was way back in 2020, I mean, it, it is hard for the current lawsuit to uh, have any merits for it, it to still be in effect. And, I, and I'll tell you that, yes, it will cause a great influx of even more illegal crossings should it go away. Uh, but as I saw, and as we've seen collectively, uh, it, what's been happening in El Paso, where there's still thousands of people crossing illegally, I mean, it's not going to make, even if it were to stay in, I, it's not going to make that big of a difference. And that's just because the Biden administration has been doing these carve-outs for these different nationalities. Uh, the Venezuela, Venezuelans were exempt for it for a long time, but because they kept coming in large numbers, they got, they got put under Title 42, but now it's mostly Nicaraguans, Colombians, Cubans, uh, Ecuadorians. So even if they close off one group, there's another nationality that's going to take their place. And so I'm not, I'm not saying Title 42 hasn't helped a little bit with kind of stemming the flow, but it really hasn't made too much of a difference just given what's been happening in the past two years. Rosas gives his thoughts on the readiness of the Biden administration when Title 42 ends. They they are ready in the sense that they are going to process people a lot quicker after they give themselves up. 
they, they aren't ready in the traditional sense by trying to discourage illegal immigration as a whole. That's not what they mean by that. What they mean by it is that they're going to just uh, focus strictly on processing people to get them out of the well, facilities and uh, just not have the border as be secure uh, at all. I mean, so they're ready, but for all the wrong reasons, I guess, is what, because when you, when you just focus, the, when you just focus on processing people and getting them out as quickly as possible, two things happen. One, uh, the border patrol doesn't patrol the border because they're all busy just getting people out of the facilities. And two, they have to cut corners with the vetting process. And so uh, people are going to slip through the cracks. People have already slipped through the cracks uh, through, through the overflow facilities. So, um, yeah, you ask anybody, you ask anybody who, who lives down there, or, you know, law enforcement, uh, they, they have zero confidence that they're going to actually, uh, secure the border through, through Tyler 42 being lifted. Rosa says that while Arizona's border wall of shipping containers may have deterred some migrants, there's really only so much a stopgap measure like that can do. So it, it has done it has done some good in terms of directing the flow of illegal traffic to, to certain areas uh, so that there's fewer gotaways. However, um, you know, again, the, the it, as, as a shipping container is, is very much a stopgap measure for a more actual, uh, you know, the Trump border wall, because the, the, the border wall that was being built in the Trump, it, it wasn't just the physical structure there. There were some other, um, technology that was integrated with it that augmented and further helped yeah, d- deterring people from uh, illegally crossing or, or, or apprehending people who were attempting to, to go over it. So the shipping containers, you know, again, it has done some good, but it, it, only, it can only do so much because that's not what it's designed for. Uh, that's not to say that it should be removed, you know, especially with everything that's been happening now, every, every little bit helps. Uh, so should, should those shipping containers be removed, um, it's just going to go back to the way it was where Border Patrol has to cover more ground with uh, fewer people out in the field. Rosas explains what he believes Americans should know about the border crisis as it stands right now. I mean, the main thing is just that this is business as usual. I mean, uh, this is the new norm for right now for people that are that want to get into the country through not the legal way. Uh, and that creates a lot of problems. I mean, what's happening now in El Paso, for, for example, uh, even as, even as for as a big border town as El Paso is, it is not at all, they don't have the infrastructure to kind of, to handle this many people who are trying, who illegally cross and are allowed to be in the United States. So that's why we've seen up to 200 people essentially being homeless uh at, at, and sleeping out at night because the shelters over are, are overflowed the and yes el paso is down south but it's, it's a mountain town so it gets really cold at night <laughs> it's a desert so i mean people have been sleeping out with you know below freezing uh temperatures and so that that's the humanitarian side of it but then there's the national security concern because again border patrol is so busy apprehending people that are giving themselves up, trying to process them and trying to release them as quickly as possible. There's, you know, more, more nefarious uh, smuggling that's happening that they aren't able to get to because they're so busy with, with people. So um, that's just the main thing right now. And again, 
like I said before, this is all happening while Title 42 is still technically in effect. Looking ahead, Rosas believes that the best chance for a change is in the 2024 election. I mean, the the time for the average American to kind of do their part to stop what's happening at the border has kind of come and gone. And obviously the results were uh, kind of mixed with not allowing the, the crisis to continue to happen because obviously uh, if Republicans took back both chambers, it would have been easier to put a check on them uh, or put a check on the Biden administration. So uh, unfortunately, I because this is such a massive issue at the federal level, it's kind of hard for you know, normal Americans to just uh, kind of chip in. <laughs> I guess you could say, I mean, I, I guess short of joining Border Patrol, but even then, you know, they're they're not being ready to do their job. So uh, I don't mean to sound, uh, you know, gloom and doom and, and all that, but this is, like I said, this is a new normal now for the, you know, at least until 2024, and we'll see what happens with that. Most of the migrants who have come over the border will now be processed and released by Border Patrol and receive a notice to appear at their final destinations. The Daybreak Insider Podcast would like to thank Julio Rosas for taking the time to join us. If you would like to read more from Julio, follow him on Twitter at Julio underscore Rosas 11. And to read more from Julio, go to townhall.com. A House Republican Shadow Committee issues a January 6th counter-report to the one issued by the Select Committee. Daybreak Insider's Bernie Bennett has this report. A shadow committee of the five House Republicans who were originally nominated to sit on the House January 6th Select Committee released a counter-report about security failures on Wednesday ahead of the official Select Committee's final report. The report focuses on changes to Capitol Police intelligence protocols in the run-up to January 6th, constraints on the House Sergeant-at-Arms, and communications between House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office and the House Sergeant-at-Arms. It's based on already public documents and news reports, interviews with Capitol security officials and rank-and-file Capitol Police officers, and documents provided to the House Administration Committee Republican staff by the House Sergeant-at-Arms in January of 2022. Bernie Bennett, Washington. Sam Bankman-Fried, the FTX co-founder who is accused of misappropriating billions of dollars from his cryptocurrency exchange, is out of jail after posting a $250 million bail. The bond is going to be $250 million, which the DOJ prosecutors said was the largest pretrial bond ever that they could think of. And it was proposed by the government. And the government said that they were offering this proposal in large part because he cooperated and he waived extradition and came voluntarily, well, came to the United States uh, last night and didn't fight the, the extradition process. So that was something that worked in in his favor. He has to surrender his passport. He's going to move out to California, to Palo Alto, where his parents live, and he has to live in his parents' home. He has to report there by 10 a.m. tomorrow morning to be fitted with an electronic monitoring device on his ankle. And the judge says that he will be, there will be strict pre-trial supervision during this entire process. And that was the only time that Bankman-Fried was heard to say anything in court when the judge asked him if he understood the consequences potentially if he didn't appear for his next court appearance and eventually if he jumped bail. And Bankman-Fried basically just said yes. According to U.S. Attorney Nicholas Roos, the $250 million price tag on Bankman-Fried's bail was the largest he could think of. This comes as FTX co-founder Gary Wong 
and former Alameda Research co-CEO Caroline Ellison have both pleaded guilty to federal charges. Andy McCarthy, a former federal prosecutor, explains the charges against Bankman Freed's accomplices. The Southern District of New York, my old uh, stomping grounds, um, got got both of these accomplices or alleged accomplices to plead guilty to the same conspiracy charges that uh, SBF is charged with. Uh, So that's always a, a problem for somebody at trial that, you know, people have pled guilty to the same thing that he's charged with. The other thing I think is interesting about it is, you know, there's pretty uh, interesting legal questions about whether the securities laws and the commodities laws apply to cryptocurrency. So I thought it was telling that the Southern District forced the two uh, accomplices or alleged accomplices to plead guilty to the securities fraud conspiracy count and the commodities fraud conspiracy Mm -hmm. count because they're obviously trying to lay the groundwork that the federal agencies obviously have jurisdiction over those charges. The former prosecutor says that, in his opinion, if Bankman-Fried wants leniency, he's going to have to work with law enforcement. The, the two accomplices quickly got in the door, pled guilty, and struck cooperation agreements. So to the extent that leniency is possible... Uh, It would be in his interest to get in and settle the case quickly. At the same time, you know, I I looked before we came on. Bernie Madoff was sentenced to 150 years. Now, his his fraud was bigger than this one, but we're still talking in the billions of dollars. So he's got a lot of exposure. The charges were released the same night that former FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried was en route from the Bahamas to New York, where he faces eight federal criminal charges from the same prosecutors who accepted plea deals from Ellison and Wong. Shrugging off rampant inflation and rising interest rates, the U.S. economy grew at a 3.2% annual pace from July through September. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason takes a look at the numbers. Analysts say the rate is an unanticipated upgrade from their earlier estimate of third-quarter growth. The rise in gross domestic product, the economy's output in goods and services, marked a return to growth after consecutive drops in the January to March and April to June periods. Driving the third quarter growth were strong exports and healthy consumer spending. If you're planning to travel for the holidays, you might want to reconsider. Daybreak Insider's Mike Hempen has the info you need to know. Travelers across much of the eastern U.S. are bracing for one of the most treacherous Christmas weekends in decades. Forecasters are warning of a bomb cyclone developing near the Great Lakes and create blizzard conditions. AAA spokeswoman Aixa Diaz says... People are still going to go on their trip. They may have to just adjust the timing. But Diaz says traveling on Friday is not a good idea. Go ahead and think about what you're going to do now if that flight gets canceled or if the roads are going to be impassable or just too dangerous to be out. Diaz says if you're planning to drive, one option is to leave on Christmas Day. When there will be fewer cars on the road, I'm Mike Hempen. And finally... A police department in Holden, Maine, has made headlines once again this holiday season with their now annual 25 Days of Kindness. For the past six years, the police department has surprised people with toys, cash, even a month's rent. The event is the department's way of helping those in the community in a time of celebration and great need. 
Holden's police officers look to spread joy during the holidays, especially this year with inflation hurting many hardworking families. The officers help with free toys and clothes or even paying a month's rent to a Holden resident. Chris Greenlee, the chief of police in Holden, explains how 25 days of kindness got started. This started uh, really on kind of a, a whim and a lark, little, literally, as you mentioned, six Decembers ago, the Holden Police Department here in Maine thought, let's do something a little different for Christmas. Let's do some acts of good deeds, some acts of kindness, things that my officers might not think to do. They would be willing to do if it, it occurred to them. But extra things like you see somebody struggling to bring their groceries in, give them a hand. You see an older person trying to shovel their, we do get snow here, by the way, uh, shovel their walkway, maybe help them shovel snow. And then it blossomed and grew into this much bigger thing now. Greenlee says the Holden community embraced the idea, and their generosity has been incredible. We've given away well over $16,000 in cash, not counting food and toys and clothing and gift cards. It's blown out of control due to this wonderful community. The police chief gives a little advice on how we all can start our own 25 Days of Kindness. I think just look for those opportunities like you yourself know from your own book. You know all about kindness. You wrote a book about it, right? Look for those opportunities. Have your radar up and, and look, look for chances to help. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Jim Bartow. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.